I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, what's up? And welcome to Serious Issues, a weekly comic book podcast about comic books recorded at King's Comics in Sydney. What's that address, Siobhan Coombs? Three, 310 <laughs> Pitt Street. Or you can um, buy everything at kingscomics.com. Every week, my name is Andrew Levins. And, uh, this was a good way to start. I yeah. like how we started like backwards and then came around. Excellent. It, it's reverse Serious Issues week. <laughs> uh, and uh, her name is Siobhan Coombs. And uh, every week we read way too many comic books, but not not to, not, not not enough to complain about it. If no, it could be a real I issue. Mean, yeah, it's not it's not a hu- it's not the major problem in my life. Um, and then we review them, and we let you know which ones you should be reading too. Normally, we kick things off with a little segment that we call First Things First, in which we review all of the number one issues that came out in the last week. But first, some listener feedback. Ah, excellent. Uh, a man called Mark got in touch with us over our Facebook account, which is called Serious Issues a Comic Book Podcast. You can find it on Facebook, facebook.com slash Serious Issues Podcast. He says, hi guys, loving the show and really enjoy the range of books you cover. Thank you very much, Mark. If I could offer one bit of creative criticism, I suppose, given that he an- uh, opened with uh, a compliment. He's I love allowed, criticism allowed to, as well. Yeah, sure. Maybe ease back on the whole martyr act on how tough it is reading so many books each week. Nobody's holding a gun to your heads to cover the amount of books you do. It's getting you a little old. You haven't seen Jim. <laughs> Jim from Kings holds a book gun to my head every, every, every episode. It's getting a little old that it gets mentioned pretty much every show, or at least in the show's ads that keep showing off in my Facebook feed, just how hard done by you are reading as many comics as you do. You guys choose the format of the show, so maybe review less titles if you have such serious issues covering so many weekly. Winky face. Maybe give Levens a little more time to spend with his kids. I appreciate your, That's some good your advice, n- nice sentiment at the end of a pretty crushing insult. But uh, Mark, just so you know, we are joking, when, joking. When, we, uh, when we point out that it's so difficult to read a million comics each week. It is a delight to read this many comics every week. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I, I thought it was a little, it's a little bit of fun improvisational comedy that Siobhan, like, like we like to gift our, our audience members. Um, if, if you would like us to stop complaining about reading too many comics, happy to oblige. Happy to oblige. We can, uh, we can make up other weird first world problems. It's like beyond first world yeah. uh, problems that we can complain about instead. Um, but we, we do not consider ourselves martyrs for, for reading upwards of 30 comics a week. No, definitely not. Having said that, I, didn't, I was not able to uh, read all the comics this <laughs> week. Because <laughs> there's too many. <laughs> Guys, my life is hard because of the comics. Uh, but I was able to read around 30-something. That's pretty impressive. Nothing to be sniffed at. Absolutely. So we're going to kick things off with first things first. So we review the number one issues that came out in the last week. And we're going to start with my favorite one. 
It is a jam-packed double issue. Came out through Image. It's called Lake of Fire, written by Nathan Fairbairn. Sorry, written, drawn, and colored by Nathan Fairbairn. Amazing. And uh, letters. Oh, il- sorry. Wait, my bad. Written, colored, and, and lettered by by Nathan Fairbairn, mm-hmm. and illustrated by Matt Smith. Oh, excellent. But uh, yeah, Nathan Fairbairn is uh, a name that we associate mostly with with, with colors and, and art. Um, yeah, I think I associate him most strongly. He did the um, colored editions of. Uh, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, which is right. really beautiful. And has uh, collaborated with Grant Morrison on many of these things for DC. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is his first, to my knowledge, the first thing certainly that I've read. Yes. I'm, 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 I'm very open to the fact that I might be wrong in saying this is the first thing he's ever written. Uh, this is uh, a, a self-published, um, through Image, sorry, let's say a uh, creator-owned title that he started called Lake of Fire. And uh, you know how we always said that Black Road... Uh, I, I had a great habit of accidentally saying it was a Crusades comic mm. when it definitely was not a Crusades, not a Crusades comic. comic. Guess what Lake of Fire is, Siobhan? It's a Crusades comic. Yes. And it is about um, a newly knighted young young man who travels from one side of France to the other to uh, volunteer himself to into the Christian Crusades. Mm-hmm. Um, and you meet various people within that crusade and uh, learn that the, the knights that have traveled one half of France to the other, uh, are kind of seen as a joke. They're young, very young in the game. and um, mm. the Inexperienced. So they're, they're kind of sent on a, on a quest with a bunch of other people who are annoying, uh, a quest that will basically just eat up their time. They'll serve their 40 days and 40 nights of servitude and uh, will not be a bother to anyone. And that thus begins this, uh, this uh, ragtag bunch of merry men on their mm. way to, a, to a, a mission that does not really mean much, but or does it? Mm. Does it? There may be something spooky at the other end. Or extraterrestrial. Yes. Supernatural. Even. Yeah, could be. Um, I love this. This was what a What a blinder of a first issue. Like, normally you get a first issue where they will just kind of, you know, set everything up, you introduce the characters, and then they kind of give you like a whoa moment mm. at the end. This was one of those issues where it finishes and you're like, oh, no, no, I want to read the rest of it now, thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I kind of... Wish this was a graphic novel. Like that's yeah. my my. It's it's an incredible criticism when an already overstuffed comic. You like your one criticism of it is that you wish it was double the length. Absolutely, and this is like it's a really it's a it's a long comic. It's a long single issue, um, and it's not they they. I think probably because they both come from a um, more of an art background, they definitely get the like show don't tell aspect Absolutely. right. Like um, there's huge sections with no words, and it's just. Um, yeah, it's really brilliant. The story That's storytelling so good. Holy is, moly. is incredible. Yeah, every, everything about this package is 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 incredible. Um, this is going to go down as probably one of the best number ones of the year. I reckon. Um, and uh, I'm definitely locked in for the entire series. I wonder if this is going to be a long ongoing or uh, more of a mini series kind of mm. vibe because it kind of feels like they've already kind of told a great chunk of the story already yeah. just in in setting everything up. But I mean, you know, there, there is a, a richness. In, in the storytelling and the characters that, that could definitely lead itself to a much longer series than, than a mini. Absolutely. And it's really cool to see something that um, does feel very, very different from everything else that's coming out through Image at the moment. Like, I think that um, you sort of get a lot of the same kind of, like, crime comics and, like, wacky takes on superheroes and stuff like that at the moment. And so it's cool to see something that's really, really genuinely different. Definitely. I mean, there has been a supernatural element in pretty much every new Image title that has come out. That's come out in the last um, in the last year or so. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but it kind of makes sense for there to be one in this setting. It's Absolutely. A, it doesn't feel forced. It uh, it just feels awesome. And, mm. and like you know, you, you've seen movies that kind of hit on the similar themes and stories that you, that, that you see in Lake of Fire. But 
I haven't read a comic like this ever. No, so me I'm neither. very excited to read more of it. Very excited. 10 out of 10 from me. I don't yeah. know. I know we never actually rate the comics, but uh, this was just like a, a blinder of a comic. Absolutely. Lake of Fire. Go and get it. Yeah, don't, please don't, check it out, guys. Don't wait for trade on this one. I reckon this is going to be one of those uh, comics that serves up enough each issue to, for you to have like a nice meaty chapter each yeah. time. Absolutely. Nathan Fairbairn, you did it, man. Did it. Nailed it. Uh, so we move on to another comic that I quite liked. Mm. This is the uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers 2016 I annual. I thought you were done with Power Rangers, Levin. I was done. I I, uh, I did try to read. I started with the Zero issue that came out through Boom earlier in the year, and I read the first five issues and convinced myself that I cared about Power Rangers. <laughs> but uh, time got the better of me, and I realized that I did not have enough of it in my life to read Power Rangers books. Mm. Or did I? That's a, sec- that's a second uh, little cliffhanger that I, I'll immediately answer in this in this episode. Um, so this is a, an amazing annual that um, you get one story by the regular creator, uh, the writer, regular writer of this book, Kyle Higgins, but uh, drawn very amazingly by Rod Reyes. Um, mm-hmm. And then just like an anthology of like pretty funny um, and, and sweet stories set within this universe. Um, James Kachalka one is in this... A, is an absolute delight. Yeah, absolutely. Of, of, of a putty who um, who becomes obsessed with the Pink Ranger. Um, you've also got uh, Rob Gilroy, um, who uh, is the artist on Chew, mm-hmm. um, illustrating a um, a story about Bulk and Skull becoming um, who are the, the kind of the ne'er do wells idiots of uh, of this town that the Power Rangers live in. They become Power Rangers. It's pretty funny. Um, my favorite art in this book is by Marguerite Bennett. How pretty was this? Um, drawing a, a yellow and pink ranger story about animals and cakes. <laughs> yeah, it was the best. I don't really remember what happened in the story. It just looked fantastic. And uh, crazily, the most crazy, you've got a, a, a story illustrated by Terry Moore um, about, what's his name, Goldar, um, one of uh, Rita Repulsa's lackeys and how he came to be. Yeah, and it's written by someone called Trey Moore. I wonder if that's like his kid or something. <laughs> a little bit of nepotism in the comic book industry. That's a really, really cute cute story that I would like to see told. Um, <laughs> more, there's even more father-son writing in art teams. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, so there's six stories in this and they're all pretty fun and if you... This is kind of what I needed more so than an ongoing Power Rangers book. Absolutely. Because I like... I, I, you know, in my head I'm like, yeah, Power Rangers are cool but I don't need to read that much of them and but this is just that's why I sort enough. of like... I really like the Pink Ranger series because I think that it stands alone quite well and I have very little Power Rangers knowledge and there's sort of a bit of assumed knowledge but you can pick it up as you go sure. and it just kind of is like a cool, fun adventure on its own. I think uh, I'm just going to safely say that I am on board for one Power Rangers comic a year. Nice. So I look forward to the 2017 annual of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. <laughs> Can't wait. Uh, over to DC now. They've put out a couple of number ones this week. Uh, first of all, was a rebirth issue of Blue Beetle by Ken Giffen and art by sorry Keith Giffen. Is it Keith Giffen? Yes, yeah, Keith. Keith Giffen and definitely um, not Ken Giffen. <laughs> no, and uh, Scott Collins. Uh, they, they kind of co-wrote the uh, the story together, and then Keith Giffen did the um, the the dialogue, and uh, Collins did the art in this book. I um, like this so much more than anything else I've ever seen Scott Collins do. Because I really didn't like it when he took over from Francis Manipal on the Flash series. Oh, really? It was really average. Um, Wait, as, as in, but as in, like the the, the Jeff Johns Flash stuff that you're talking about? Uh, no, when when Francis Manipal started writing it. Oh, okay, right. Scott Collins used to. Um, I was first introduced to him uh, actually writing, draw, drawing um, Jeff Johns's Flash run, mm. and it was a g- incredible. And um, I, I know that a lot of people criticized him once he started doing digital, more digital stuff in his art. Okay. And this this seemed a lot more pencil drawn than uh, 
than what other stuff I've seen criticized. So maybe he's gone back to the way he used to. But yeah, I love the art in this. So that was yeah. just probably the best thing about this book. Agreed. Um, I, uh, I, sh- I didn't actually pay attention to the writer of it. And I should have guessed because there is some pretty crappy uh, teenage dialogue in this. I and know. that is Keith Giffen's calling card, unfortunately. I know. It's such a shame because Keith Giffen, um, I can't even think because he was involved he wrote justice league international that's right correct? yeah 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 um but he also which is like one of my Scooby all-time favorites um and like justice league international is inc- like totally brilliant and you know made the character of ted cord blue beetle what yeah, he is and so it's Gold. interesting to see him back on back using ted as a character yes um, but yes just get get like a teenager to just check check your dialogue yeah Keith? Do what um, Terry Moore may have done with his power Rangers yeah. thing. Get your son to write it. Um, in this weird fantasy world that might not actually exist. Um, Put in more dabbing. So yeah, Kids totally. like dabbing. Super, more superheroes need to dab. I think of things my little sister likes. <laughs> um, so, Blue Beetle. We're most familiar with Ted Cord, mm-hmm. um, who was the Blue Beetle uh, from... Well, he's originally... Um, what was the... A, a Charleston character? Well, he's the second Blue Beetle. Right. So there was, I think the Charleston character was like the first Blue Beetle and then Ted um, was the second Blue Beetle and then Hame Reyes is the third Blue Beetle. Right. And he's the first one who's actually had like beetle powers that come from the scarab. Ted's sure. more sort of like, I'm just a billionaire with a lot of money and a and, sense of humor. And crazy adventures. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, there, There is like, you know, a, a lot of, one of the big superhero deaths that even though he hadn't been used very well up until that point in the years like leading up to his death when Ted Cord dies in the uh, regular DC continuity. This is like 12, 15 years ago. Mm. But at the I'm start of Infinite it. Crisis, it, it's quite tragic. Yeah. Especially because he dies at the hands of Maxwell Lord, who is like a, you know, another character who is massive in the uh, lore of Justice League International. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was definitely like, you know, them doing a little bit of fan service, bringing him back um, yeah. after he was nowhere to be seen in the too. Instead, we get this little young uh, kid, with the scarab power of a beetle. Um, but they haven't really brought... Ted Cord is no longer the blue beetle. He is the guy that is helping out young... He's financing the blue beetle. What's his name? Ye- Jamie Reyes. Jamie. Hamey? I say Hame, but I don't Hame? know if that's correct. Hame? 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 Hame Reyes? Okay, cool. I, w- I, don't, I would just say Jamie. Yeah, well. <laughs> but I'm racist. Yeah, that's right. I'm whitewashing, whitewashing <laughs> all comics from now on. Because uh, Hollywood is not doing that enough. Um, <laughs> uh, but... Yeah, I, I, I think that was, it's a kind of interesting dynamic. I yeah, it's sort of interesting because it's kind of like the whole thing is that Hame wants to be cured. He doesn't want to be a superhero and Ted's the person like pressuring him to have fun adventures. And I kind of like that role for Ted, but also it could just as easily not be him. You know, like it sort of doesn't really have anything to do with him as the Blue Beetle and taking him out of the Blue Beetle continuity is like an odd... Uh, it's a bit weird. Yeah, he's, just, he's this goofy like he's just, billionaire. Yeah, he's just like this guy who's hanging around with a teenager, pressuring him to get into dangerous situations, which isn't that cool, Ted. Um, yeah, I, 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 you know, this is like pleasant enough, but I, I could just as easily not, not read this ever. Like, you know, not, not continue to read this. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it wasn't the most compelling rebirth issue. I'll read the next. I'll, I'll read the issue one for sure, especially because Doctor Fate shows up at the end. I yep. love Doctor Fate. Did you read the Doctor Fate series that um, there was like, uh, no, was like eight didn't. issues? So you don't I love it that to, much. Well, yeah, I know. Oh, clearly not that much. But I don't like this newfangled 
Doctor Fate. What was the well, who was the one who had what a was, wife? When's Doctor Fate ever wife? been cool? <laughs> Never. He's the most complicated character if you go by all the, the legacy of different yeah, people that have been. He was good in JSA in. though. Sure. Anyway. Um, yeah, I think. I don't know. I, I feel like this has the potential. I, w- I would like to see a good Blue Beetle book, and I really, totally. I love Ted Cord, and I kind of just wish that like they just made him the old Blue Beetle, yeah. and they just don't, yeah. you know, every now and then you flash back to stories that he that he did in like the. Yeah. You could even it say it so happened easy. in the eighties. You know, so he was he was a vigilante that wore a costume. Yeah. And had money, but he you know he fucked things up all the time, and no one took him seriously. Yeah. And now this other kid has actual Beetle powers, and so he's helping him out. Maybe they'll reveal that that's actually how how he came mm. to be, but. I think the problem is like concept wise, I think this is one of like this is the strongest sort of teen book that DC have. And I think they're really shooting themselves in the foot by not getting a um younger or more onto it writer. Yeah. Definitely like like I mean, give Giffen his, you know, yeah. pretty light hearted superhero romance, but stop making him letting him write t- teenagers. Yeah, it's just not good. It's not good guys. It's not good at it. Um just, like Jim Lee has teen daughters. Doesn't he listen to them talk? Come on. <laughs> Uh, he probably doesn't let them talk. I don't know where. What, what, I don't, what? <laughs> he seems he, like a he, nice no, man. No, no, right? he, he only lets his family communicate by through drawing. <laughs> like they have to try and get as good as he is. Um, yeah, I, 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 okay. I'll, I'll yeah. stick. I'll read that. I'll read the first the first actual issue of Blue Beetle. Yeah. But uh, how many how many more rebirth books have we got? I don't know, Jim. <laughs> how many more rebirth books are there? About five, five more to oh, go, wow. guys. We're almost we're almost at the oh, end of it. Holy moly! We're going to do an, an, an episode that's all about um, the DC Rebirth um, line, and you know, however many issues we are in, we'll rate them from best to worst. Yep. There's there's, nice. there's a lot, lot of good and a lot of bad in there for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Deathstroke number one. Um, oh, we, we read the Rebirth issue a couple of weeks ago, um, written by Christopher Priest and um, art by someone who's not Christopher Priest. In fact, he's an artist. Um, and his name is written somewhere in this book. Here it is, uh, Carlo Pagalayan. Nice, smashed it. it. Um, would you say that this fits in the good or the bad spectrum of the oh, Rebirth books? It definitely fits in the bad. It does not deserve the cover that Jason oh, Fabok has given it. I'm going to give you a third option: good, oh, yeah. bad, or not for us. <laughs> <laughs> not for us. Uh, this is. Uh, I mean, I've never really connected with Deathstroke beyond. <laughs> stuff in Teen Titans. I, I enjoyed like kicking him in that Arkham Origins game. Oh yeah. That, see, that's why people, that's the only reason he's become a big deal I think is because he was in the Arkham Origins games and then the Injustice games and now all of a sudden Deathstroke is everywhere. Uh, I, uh, he's just like a real, just like a, he's just a real bad boy. <laughs> and uh, it's just a bad guy, and I just don't understand why that. Well, like, you know, he's just—it's it, just like this. This uh, this comic is just kind of like, just like gritty and and kind of superheroy and, but like also kind of gross. And yeah, there's like a sexy fight scene, and then they do it. And, and at one point, what does he say? I'm what is something about your ovaries. Don't blame me for your ovaries or something so stupid. Oh yeah, don't blame me for your uterus or uterus, something because oh, his wife can't come along on a mission because she, she has had, a uterus. No, because she had children. Not for like, oh. <laughs> God damn. Uh, <laughs> it's a mess, guys. It's a mess. And also, like when we talked about Deathstroke the other um, week, I talked about his children. And I forgot to mention probably. Well, it's hard to it's hard to choose because I love Jericho, but um, Rose, his other daughter, who became Ravager in Jeff Johns' Teen Titans run, and was like. Awesome, super cool. There's the bit where she cuts out her own eye with a knife so that she can be like her dad. Yikes. That was cool. Was it? Um, yeah, it was actually. <laughs> it was pretty good. Um, 
And then they put her on the cover and then they don't put her in the comic. What, what's the point? And what's the point, like, guys? There's no seeds really laid for her to come and return it. Yeah, like too, all of so. the scenes of them as children are like two little boys. And I don't know where Rose is supposed to fit in that. Um, oh, yeah, I just don't care about Deathstroke unless he's trying to kill the Teen Titans. Get him to like try to kill the Teen Titans again, and maybe I'll care about this. There but. are some themes and 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 some like you know storytelling decisions in this book that I actually quite like. I like the way it jumps throughout time and kind of uses the name, like you know, there's mm. the names of each chapter. Yeah. In, in in panels, I think that's a, like the, a, a cool little thing going on. But overall, I'm just kind of lost in this comic and. Mm. Uh, I, not, I don't really care about finding my way out of it either. Yeah, like it's quite um, for something that's supposed to be like a fresh start. It's quite continuity heavy, and they sort of re like retcon Wintergreen as a character. So now he's like his sassy best friend instead of his butler, which is uh, fine, I guess. <laughs> there was a couple like there was a funny joke there that was fine, I guess. I don't know. There are no. Uh-huh. It, it's like very, very gritty, like laughably gritty in points, and, and then suddenly it will just be like you know, like a dumb joke about golf. Yes. Uh, like I said, not for us. Not it, for us. It, that, that said, it also is like I know the, there is an audience for that, and I know totally. for this comic, and you, and I know this is everything they want in a Deathstroke comic. Totally. So I feel like if you're already really on board for a Deathstroke comic in 2016, this is probably everything you want. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, lucky you guys. <laughs> Hellblazer number one by Simon Oliver and art by Moritat. Um, we did not enjoy the rebirth issue of this that much, but you know what? I great, really enjoyed great first issue, this right? issue. This was really good. Yeah. Uh, in this book, um, uh, John Constantine is back in London, um, having escaped um, New York and evading the curse put on him upon his return to London. Uh, but, uh, you know, after just one night of uh, not much sleep in his friend Chaz's house, he gets a visit from Swamp Thing, who is calling him for a favor to help him find his uh, his girlfriend or ex-girlfriend, Abby. Abby. Hmm. And uh, it's uh, just like it, it just it feels like, like it doesn't feel like quite like Vertigo. Constantine, but the spirit of him, the essence Absolutely. of the character, is here. And I feel like if you, if you really, if you have to put this character in the the bigger, bigger DC universe, the you know PG thirteen DC universe mm. where there are superheroes and all kinds of goofy stuff that we love week to week, uh, th- you can't really do a better job than they've done here. I think I think this is a really really great start, and this is kind of what I I didn't enjoy any of. Uh, any of the what, what what do they call it? They just call it Constantine. Yeah, Constantine Hellblazer in, in or something. New Fifty Two. I um that's I did not read the last. Was it Ming Doyle's run? No, I didn't. Read I, that I didn't either. read that. But when it when it when it launched, I I I, picked, I read it and I didn't enjoy that iteration of him at all. Um, but uh, this this feels like my kind of Constantine. Totally, and like um Wayne, who works at Kings, who is a huge Constantine fan and was like really personally offended by the rebirth issue, <laughs> loved this issue. Um, so I think that's I think that's a really good positive um review of it yeah i enjoyed this i enjoyed this a lot a lot of naked constantine into that good yeah, job. yeah good job guys definitely um got tattoos all over his butt yeah great stuff and funny swamp thing good like funny you know who would have thought that john constantine swamp thing would have some funny back and forth but oh good. That, no that's like that's like one yeah, of the I mean, main, the, the main things in in the uh, garth ennis run of, ah. of, uh, of hellblazer um is uh just like you know him, him just treating swamp thing like an asshole um <laughs> It's, it's real funny. fun, very yeah. funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, Good job. And, and definitely pulling on the right, the right themes from from that Vertigo run to bring into this this iteration too. Absolutely, it's cool. 
Um, over to Marvel now for... Um, oh, did we want to talk... Did you actually read this? Oh, cool. You've got a DC. I did, not, I did not have a chance to read this one, no. Right. Well, I did read. I read the first um, Speaking issue of... Speaking uh, of Garth Ennis. Yes. Uh, section 8, Six Pack and Dog Welder. Um, I can say very firmly that this is not for me. <laughs> I hadn't read the previous um, Section 8 series, so and I was that, a little and, bit confused. And, well, even before then, you have to read all of Hitman, because yeah. they're characters from Ennis's 90s comic Hitman. Uh, Section 8 were a bunch of uh, goofy, potentially not actual superheroes, mm. um, led by Six Pack. And uh, Dog Welder is a character that he introduced in the Section 8 comic that came out last year through DC, and he is a guy who welds dogs to people. Yeah, which... Great. <laughs> um, yeah, this is like, I don't know, this is kind of, there was there was some good bits, but it also is like everything that I don't like about playing like, Garth Ennis' characters, like half the characters. Like there's a dude called Bueno who's a sex pervert and that's his entire deal and there doesn't seem to be, and Jim's laughing, so clearly this is a comic for Jim. But, <laughs> but yeah, just not for me. If you like Garth Ennis, if you like perverts, if you like some... Weirdness. There's a lot of Power Girl in this, which was quite good. But um, yeah, is Power Girl around in the actual DC continuity? I no, guess th- no. I don't think so. Where's Where's Power Girl at? What's going on with Power Girl? Bring her back. Amanda Connor, do that instead of Harley Quinn. Yes, please. <laughs> um, okay, now can we go to Marvel? Yes. Civil War Two had a uh, a big a big uh, little one shot. Oh no, it's a, it's, a, it's an ongoing. It looks like a little mini series. Um, Ulysses number one, telling stories uh, involving the Inhuman, who's at the heart of Civil War Two. This was written by Al Ewing, who we quite enjoy on The Ultimates each week, each month. Al Ewing is a DJ as well. Really? I can't remember remember what his DJ name is, but it makes me laugh. Hang on, I'm going to Google it. Keep talking. No wonder I I enjoy his stories. Mm. We're we're, we're one and the same. DJ Brethren. Oh, he He, he DJs under the name DJ Christ. (laughs) Oh, God. We're not one and the same. (laughs) I hate his stories. (laughs) Uh, art in this one is by Carl Kiesel. Kiesel? Kiesel? How do you say his last name? Kiesel? Carl Kiesel? Write it, write it in, Carl, if you're listening. Serious issues at kingscomics.com. Um, but he doesn't like drawing eyeballs, that's for sure. He likes drawing little triangles. Oh, yeah. I like that, though. Mm, I do not. You don't? I don't I don't love the art on this. I'm not going to lie. Okay. Um, but the story, I thought, was really great. No? Really? <laughs> I really enjoyed this book. Ah, oh, man. I... I did not. I'm, yeah. I thought that. I think that. Um, so you, you, Ulysses um, is. Oh, hold on one second. It's dropped our recording device. Nice. Um, Ulysses is uh, is sent to go and learn more about the inhuman way uh, by to by going to hang out with Karnak in his creepy tower. And uh, yeah, that's, I mean, this is just kind of like. Karnak just trying to scare the hell out of out of Ulysses by in- introducing him to all kinds of spooky people that live in his tower and impose all these insane rules. Mm. Um, I thought this was really cool. I love Karnak, so maybe that's why I, I really enjoyed this. But yeah, I sort of feel like this version of Karnak is a lot better when it's written by Warren Ellis. Did that series ever finish? And no, it's still going, which just comes out very sporadically. Oh <laughs> um, just be thankful it's not tying into Civil War. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably why they put it on hiatus for this for this one to exist. Yeah, I think I think that probably the main I, I think I just didn't like the art on this, and that kind of um, stopped my enjoyment of the whole series. There were some cool moments, and they introduced you to some really creepy, weird Inhumans, which was quite fun. Yeah, I um, mean, mostly this is character moments between Karnak and Ulysses. Yeah, and I really enjoyed that. 
Yeah. I, uh, I think, you know, whether, whether, I mean, Karnak seems to be taking a lot of, like, you know, really enjoying himself being a, a, as, like, as screwed up as he possibly can. Mm. Um, and whether this is actually, you know, just the way he's presenting himself to scare Ulysses into having a premonition of the future to kind of test his abilities or whether this is what he's actually like in his own home mm. is up for your own interpretation or, or we'll find out the next issue. I really enjoyed this. So this is kind of like the Civil War book that I needed. Yeah, I didn't love it so much, but um, I'll keep reading it, I guess. Because I have to. No, you don't. Yeah, I know. I won't. Mark says we're allowed to stop reading if we want. Thanks, Mark. <laughs> um, the Uncanny Inhumans appeared again in their own annual, um, written by Charles Sewell and Art. And I have to really just say, if you're going to read this for any reason, it should definitely be because of this art by Kev Walker. Uh, God, give him a book, guys. Penciled by Kev Walker, inked by Scott Hanna, who is actually excellent as well. Yeah. Um, colors by Dan Brown. This was really, this took me by surprise. I, I was like down, pretty low down on my, on my uh, pile of books to read this week. And then I, the first page was this big, fantastically drawn robot getting shot to hell and exploding. And who then, Because uh, Kev Walker is probably best known for doing um, Avengers Arena and Avengers Academy. And do you remember who the character was who was like, like the female... Deathlock, and there was the girl with the big guns and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want, yeah. I want him to do a series. Oh, about she had them. such a sweet name too. Yeah, Deathlocket. Yeah, Deathlocket was so good. <laughs> um, I want Kev Walker to do a series on that because he's so good at like robots and mech stuff. Well, and, like, uh, what was it? that was Dennis Hopeless who wrote. It was yeah. Dennis Hopeless and Kev Walker. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, hope they, I hope they team up again soon. Absolutely. It's good that he's still kicking around at Marvel. Yeah, um, and obviously we're enjoying everything else Dennis Hopeless does at Marvel too, yeah. Spider Woman, etc. Um, but yeah, I, I uh, this I, the first page of this is um, kind of shows the characters that are going to be in this issue. And they are Grid, Crystal, Inferno, and Naya. Everyone's favorites. I do not care about any of those people. But this story was excellent in spite of that. Um, it's set in Mumbai. And uh, kind of, uh, I don't know if you remember the free comic book day issue of Inhumans that Marvel put out last year. <laughs> but it kind of, t- it, it brings back characters that we haven't seen since, th- since and only in that mm. issue. Um, there was an, uh, an, uh, a famous Indian actor who uh, was who, who got hit by the Terrigen Mist at the same time as his character Grid did, and Grid ended up having to like take him down. Mm-hmm. Uh, here he returns in a um, in a little story set in Mumbai where Grid where Grid grew up, and he goes to visit his family, and then gets a visit by this actor who is now an Inhuman who is like a big tree who can he's kind of like Groot, I guess, but mm. it still maintains the his human features. But, um, because they carved him down. That was probably my favorite well, yeah, thing. He was like course. a big tree monster and then they carved like a handsome face out of it. That's, <laughs> that's the best bit of the comic. Mm. But uh, I thought this is really, a really tight and cool yeah. story. It was a good little standalone and it shows like... I mean, I complain about the Inhumans a lot because a lot of the time they're annoying. But it also shows what you can do... Um, when you do kind of have free reign to like come up with new characters and do whatever you want with them and mm. explore new power sets and stuff like that, it was it was good fun. Yeah, I wonder. I would love to talk to Charles Sewell like five years from now when he's allowed to talk candidly yeah. about his time, his first few years at Marvel. Because you know he it was it was a big deal when he made the move over. He was doing Swamp Thing mm-hmm. for DC, um, and obviously Letter Forty Four was really well revered, mm-hmm. but. At Marvel, you know, he's She-Hulk wasn't the hit that everyone was hoping it was going to be, but um, then uh, he kind of just got given all the Inhuman stuff, yeah, and and obviously Death of Wolverine too. But the Inhuman stuff hasn't. I don't know. I feel like you know, I mean, for us to, I, I you feel a lot more than than I do that, that that Marvel are really ramming the Inhumans down our throats, yeah. Um, 
I'm excited that there's only one more issue of all new Inhumans left, but he wasn't mm. actually writing that. I really enjoy his uncanny Inhuman stuff. He's a good writer. I wish I wish his like She-Hulk is probably my favorite thing that he's ever written, and I really wish he'd had you know a bit more of a go on that. Cause there was clearly so many stories that he could have told there because his he's still a practicing lawyer as well as writing like 10 comics a month or something. Well, I wonder if that's still true. Yeah, I don't know. If that's still true. <laughs> uh but no, I I think um it was a good little reminder because I have not enjoyed all of the Star Wars stuff that Charles Soule's done. Yeah. But I really enjoyed this. Yeah. Um, he and, knows uh, how to write good comics. He, write, he knows how to write the Inhumans. His, his mm. ongoing Uncanny Inhuman stuff is really good too. Mm. Uh, but yeah, this is, this is particularly great. Um, pick it up if you, if you, uh, you know, just want a, a story featuring a bunch of new... I'm just going to call them mutants because it's pretty much it's what they pretty are. pretty much the if you want a, If you want a story with, with uh, some new mutants in it, it doesn't really tie into anything else really in mm. the Marvel Universe. Uh, it's pretty, pretty low stakes and just a fun romp. Definitely pick this one up. Un- Uncanny Inhumans annual number one. Nice. Uh, I read a new Dark Horse book this week written by Greg Pak and um, art by Mirko Kolak, colors by Will Quintana and letters by Simon Boland. All fun names to say. Um, it was called Kingsway West, and it was it's a Wild West with a uh, Wild West kind of romp, but set in uh, a um, alternate version of America in the 1800s, um, in which there are there is the existence of red gold, which uh, sends mm-hmm. all of America crazy, and uh, there are kind of two main kind of sides of this, or a third is revealed later in the book, but uh, it's uh, between the the Mexicans and the Chinese, so Chinese oh. miners, and uh, and then some, uh, like, you know, people closer, the Mexican police force as well. Um, basically, both on the search for more red gold, uh, but the red gold has also like, cursed the land, and there are werewolves and... And vampires and all kinds of crazy beasts in this in this land too. Oh, that sounds fun. Yeah, this was actually a really really fun book. Um, you know, it definitely opens a lot of uh, questions, raises mm. a lot of questions uh, that I'm sure will get answered in, in in due time, as stories tend to do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, this just feels like a book that wouldn't be anywhere but Dark Horse. Yeah, and uh, God bless Dark Horse for being the avenue for books just like it. Absolutely. Um, you should read this. I think you don't yeah, like it. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to borrow that from uh, you. Because uh, when the Americans uh, show up at the end, they have a girl who can fly. Yee! Cool. So, so there's a dragon on the cover. Yeah, so this is pretty Sports much X-Men. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, that actually really does. <laughs> Lockheed <play>. and Angel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Dark Horse, Kingsway West. Old West, New Magic. Mm. Great tagline. Yeah, nice. Hopefully they're going to make this into a movie soon. Uh, Generation Zero was the name of a new comic that started at Valiant, written by uh, Fred Van Lente, art by Francis Portella and Andrew Dollhouse. Um, this is uh, a book that kind of uh, spins out of the Harving Awards, mm-hmm. uh, which I did not read. Um, but in it, a bunch of uh, teenagers uh, become psyots, people born with the potential for incredible abilities of the mind. Um, and this is about nine, nine teenagers uh, banding together to escape the government. Is that kind of, is, am I right? I, I, yeah, I think so. Yeah, uh, I mean, this issue is sort of like introducing everything from the perspective of a girl who thus far doesn't have powers, but whose boyfriend was killed by nefarious circumstances and no one believes her. Um, and Generation Zero kind of just show up on the last page. I thought this was all right. I thought it was pretty good. It has a sort of, um, I guess it's trying to be like a sort of new mutancy... Kids right. against kids so, oh, against wait, the world I, I kind see, of sorry, vibe. I, I misread it. These guys weren't actually in the Harvinger Wars. They are inspired 
by The Harbinger Renegades, which is another book that Valiant are putting out in a couple of weeks, in November, with art by uh, Derek Robertson. Oh. So uh, I know I said, man, I can't wait to read heaps more Valiant stuff, <laughs> but I don't really want to watch it, read any more of this. But I'll give the other stuff a chance. What did yeah, you think? yeah, I thought it, I thought it was okay. I'm willing to give it a second issue because I thought it was okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's not it's not the most compelling Valiant book out at the moment. It's I think very. I think they've got cooler stuff. I'll wait and see what like the rest of the team looks like in um, issue two. But it does so far. It feels like pretty by the numbers anti-establishment teen superhero kind of yeah. stuff. If you are a teen, a sexy anti-establishment teen, maybe you'll like As this. all teens are. <laughs> sexy and anti-establishment. <laughs> uh, Godzilla number one. This one's called Rage Against Across Time. And it's the, uh, what, th- the third uh, Godzilla miniseries that IDW have put out this year. Yeah. Um, this one is about Godzilla throughout history. And uh, this first book is about Godzilla in feudal Japan. Um, and the art is kind of very oh, cool. I yeah, thought. really, really like a. There's some. Like, it starts off like looking like pretty as a picture, kind of like classic kind of Japanese. Uh, I don't know how you describe it, the color palette on this, but it looks like almost like it was drawn on wood. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then once Godzilla shows up, it's like fantastical. Lots of swirling smoke and things that you sort of ident like um, you would generally think of as being traditional Japanese art styles. Um, yeah, I really, I thought this was really cool. And yeah. the next one looks like it's going to be in like ancient Greece. Greece, which is not where I was expecting at all. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, it skips forward to 2016 um, a couple of times throughout the story. And we're kind of seeing these uh, guys uncover, like archaeologists um, and historians kind of uncover these relics that belonged to uh, the people within these stories as they encountered Godzilla. Uh, so pretty interesting stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Archaeology and Godzilla together at last. Finally, my two favorite things. Godzilla rage across time. Um, every time we review a Godzilla comic, I always have to point out how much I loved um, Godzilla Half Century War mm. by James Stoko. Um, if you have not read not read that yet and love the idea of Godzilla uh, throughout time, every issue is uh, a decade after the last one, and it's excellent. The art's unreal, mm. and uh, there's an incredible emotional heart at the story of this one guy who spends his entire life trying to take down Godzilla. Amazing. Super great. Uh, another one that came out through IDW that I read this week uh, was Atomic Robo, The Temple of Odd, number one. This one is uh, written, as always, by Brian Clevenger and art on this arc by uh, Scott Wegner. It's the first Atomic Robo comic that we've talked about mm. on uh, Serious Issues. People love Atomic Robo. People who love Atomic Robo really love it. Um, I've only ever read Free Comic Book Day issues. Same. <laughs> um, so this is part of the world's greatest science adventure magazine banner that uh, Clevenger puts all of his comics under. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I mean, what's the like, kind of like the one sheet on Atomic Robo? He's a dude uh, around World War One, is it? Nine thirty-eight. So just before World War Two. But mm-hmm. he, uh, he's a robot, and uh, he basically takes down bad guys. <laughs> pretty much. That's, that's pretty much what you do. But it's know. a super great, action-packed, all-ages comic. Absolutely. Um, this one happens to be set um, in, a, in a world where, uh, just before um, uh, World War Two, where we're about to um, see that China have, uh, trying to steal super-powered stuff from the Japanese. Cool. Yeah. The art's super cool. Like, it's such a fun, cartoony vibe. Um, and it's got a real kind of like science adventurers sort yeah, of definitely. element to it. Yeah. 
uh, this one's gets my thumbs up. Is it a good place to start? Do you think if you have I mean, an atomic robot? I was not before? lost at any point. I mean, nice. all, all you have to all you have to know is that atomic robo is a robot who hates Nazis. <laughs> what more do you need to know? All robots hate Nazis. It's a fact. It's true. science. Absolutely. So it's uh, first things first. Our segment every week where we review all the new number ones, and now the most beloved segment of serious issues that I just love forgetting that I said I'd do each week, and that is, let's flip a coin to decide whether we re- review DC or Marvel next. Nice. Heads is... Marvel. Okay, Heads is Marvel. And it's Tails. DC goes first. I think I've done that like every week. I'm starting to think it's like intentional, and I no, just we want to talk about DC. We did Marvel last week. <laughs> oh, first really? Yeah, don't worry. Nice. Um, so let's kick off with... I don't know, what, was the, what did you like most? Let's kick off with Detective. Yeah. Um, I love this book. I love this book too. James Holy Tinian the fourth. And uh, art by uh, uh, returning to this arc actually is um, Eddie Barrows. Eddie Barrows, who uh, hasn't been seen the last couple of issues, but mm. uh, everyone everyone involved with this book is just awesome. Yeah, uh, this is the uh, kind of team up between uh, Batgirl, sorry not Batgirl, um, Batwoman, mm-hmm. Batman, Red Robin, Tim Drake, uh, Spoiler, and Orphan, Orphan. and Clayface. <laughs> and uh, we recently learned that the big threat that they're facing an army of uh, of Batmen. Uh, is being led by uh, Batwoman's father. And uh, here we get some incredible flashbacks to... Uh, what's what's uh, Batwoman's name again? Kat Kane? Kate Kane. Kate Kane. Um, and her father at... Well, okay, Kate, Kate, a very, very young Kate Kane at the funeral of, um, of Thomas and Martha Wayne. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you have... Um, uh, Kat Kane's father and her mother talking at the funeral and him being angry at Thomas Wayne for taking a walk down Crime Alley at night. And then you have this beautiful moment between Kat Kane going up to her older cousin, Bruce, mm. who's mourning his parents and trying mm-hmm. to, you know, console him. Uh, I thought that was, that was, this is just a really, there's just so much going on in this story yeah. and, and I love every every turn it takes. Absolutely. There's, there's so much going on with all the different back characters and everyone gets a little bit of, I feel like the only person who maybe hasn't had the most amount of character development so far is Spoiler. I'd like to see a little bit more of her. This was a very Tim, Tim Drake heavy issue, which was cool and fine by me. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just such a good, it's such a good comic. I'm so surprised when more people aren't reading it. If you have like, if you have even a passing interest in the Batverse and you know a little bit about the sort of Bat family, so worth checking out. Clayface is so fun. The whole team is like brilliant. All the stuff with Kate Kane and her dad is amazing. Yeah. I love that they're going into the relationship between the cousins because I feel like that's something that hasn't really been addressed. Totally. That much. Um, yeah, really, really cool. Um, within this comic, we learn that uh, Tim Drake has plans to give up the mantle of Red Robin and go study mm. very soon. So I wonder if they're going to follow through with that. And uh, here is my fun theory. Yeah. Um, when uh, when Nightwing's alias, uh, mm-hmm. Dick Grayson, was outed in the Forever Evil, he then got his own series about his adventures um, outside of the Nightwing mask. Mm. And they called that series Grayson. Does that mean we're going to have a Tim Drake series called Drake? Ooh, that would be good. Think of all the like pun based, like yeah, ev- Drake based <laughs> titles you could have. Maybe maybe the singer Drake could be in it too. It could be called Drakes. Yeah, yeah. It's a oh team up book. Such a natural team up. Um, also, um, I also love the idea of a Jason Todd book just called Todd. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that is good. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I I love this book. Uh, James Tinney and the Fourth. Before this, I I couldn't tell you something of his that I really really loved. Mm. And this is just like I, I might like this even more than uh, Tom King's Batman. 
Ooh, I mean, tough I, call. I mean, I, I think overall that's the that's like you know that's doing the bigger kind mm. of things that I haven't seen before. But this just it's just such a nice throwback to the DC books that yeah. I loved reading when I first got into comics. That's so. what it really feels like. I think that I like that Eddie Barrows does as well, which is nice to see him back on the book. Is um, like every so often there'll be just a close up of a character's face done in a much more sort of painted style. Yes. It's just really it's just really cool and dramatic and I like I don't even really understand why it's there, but it just gives you an awesome character moment and um it looks beautiful as well. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can't recommend this one enough. This is Absolutely. this is one of the, my favorite favorite definitely like, you know, top 2 DC books coming yeah, out right now. For sure. Um, I like it when Clayface tries to impersonate Batman. Well. Yeah, that Sorry, was great. That was, funny. that was great. They're giving Clayface like a great moment every issue too. Yeah. It's awesome. So good. So I, I made that comment about, you know, this feels just like the comics that I used to read. And mm. I, I feel like, you know, in doing that, Detective also transcends that completely and does all these great new things. It yeah. feels like a very modern comic. Absolutely. Um, I know that that's what Titans, which mm. uh, issue two of which came out this week, um, mm. written by Dan Abnett with, with art by Brett Booth. Um, most of that throwback vibe comes from just looking at Brett Booth's, um, know. you know, hilarious nineties ish. Good art. cover though, really good cover. I liked that cover a lot. Yeah, sure. Um, so Unsold. in this one, they don't just bring back the themes of what reading a Titans book used to be like. They bring back what the Titans used yeah. to be. So puppet versions of <laughs> of the <laughs> Titans. Uh, so you have, but in their old costumes. But still confusing to read. Like, I mean, it's like I, I've a couple of episodes ago, I I tried as quickly as I could to describe exactly what was happening within the Superman books at the moment mm. with all the different Supermen. Mm. I feel like just telling you what was happening in the in the Titans world would be just as confusing because yeah. you have so many different iterations of each character. You know, even though there's only two, there's also like you know you have the the, the I don't know the, the, basically like the, the Ab- abracadabra. What's the name? Uh, is he called abracadabra? Or just decrap decabra cadabra. Yeah. Cabra, um, Cabra Matter, Abra Cabra Matter. Um, he uh, he's brought back a um, uh, he's gone he's, he has access to the time stream, mm-hmm. and so he's brought back an older version or an alternate version of the Teen Titans, and they they fight it, this current incarnation. And uh, yeah, I mean I got, it's not the most genius um, first story arc of all time, really, but there is. There is like what feels to me like a classic Titans moment where someone accidentally says that they love each other in battle. So good. <laughs> More romance, guys. So this is going to be one that Siobhan will keep reading, but I'm thinking about tapping out. I'm going to, yeah. I mean, I, I, even, I, I, even I, I was not that into that. And it comes down to like, again, these are supposed to be young characters. And I know that they're not the teen Titans anymore. They're still the Titans, but they're, they're not like any people in the early 20s that I know. <laughs> you know, like they're all... A, it's I don't know. Arsenal wears his hat backwards. And he's got wraparound sunglasses, so <laughs> that's pretty cool. Yeah. I, I, I might tap out of Titans. I wanted to tap out after the Rebirth issue, but we, <laughs> we, we, we stayed with it. I totally understand if you, again, the same thing with Deathstroke. If you're already a fan of the Titans, yeah, totally. this is probably the book that you want. Absolutely. But, uh, but no, I'm a fan of the Titans. And this is the, this is the book you want, Siobhan. <laughs> oh, sorry. Okay. <laughs> uh, Action Comics number 962 by Dan Jurgens. Great and, cover. Oh, incredible cover. Um, but this finally wraps up the, was it six issue uh, or seven issue fight mm. between uh, Doomsday and Superman that we've been seeing since Action Comics returned to its original numbering. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Superman dies. Just kidding. He doesn't. Oh, I mean, uh, uh, Superman has already died. But uh, Which one? Uh, there's a lot going on here in this book. Um, they're managing to kind of deal with the fact that Superman 
has a son mm-hmm. and, and, is, and is married to Lois Lane still and is from mm-hmm. another time, but doing it in different ways that the Superman book isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's admirable because it must be a confusing thing to have to deal with without doing the same things as the other one. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, you know, it goes without saying that Superman takes Doomsday out of the equation in this one. Um, but uh, we've been watching a shadowy figure watch this fight take place since the first issue. And uh, we still don't know who he is, but we do know that this entire fight was pretty much set up by him so he could, like, finally get Doomsday. Yeah. Uh, which is interesting. Um, not really, because we'd kind of... I would be happy just to never see a Doomsday fight again. Absolutely. I don't care about Doomsday. But it's still... Man- like, I still quite enjoyed the story arc, which I think... Me is, too. You know, all power to... Jurgens. Jurgens that, um, that that was so enjoyable. And I liked, I liked the lowest bits. I liked that lowest sort of goes against what... Clark, you know, thinks that she should do, and quite rightly, like she makes a makes the call, and it's the correct call, and that was quite good. Yeah, definitely. I think um, it's like it's a nice companion to the other Superman book because this, like, as as you said before in the title, it's much more action heavy. Um, yeah. So if you're looking for more like Superman fights as opposed to Superman bonding with his son, this might Tenderness. be more the Superman book for you. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's just a good, good, yeah, good, good ongoing. It's just good. It's it's it, you know, you just you burn through it. And then you go, yes, this this story will continue, mm, and then it, and then it does. Two weeks later, it does. Um, Delightful. And, uh, you know, it, I know that there is a hard decision when there are two Superman books coming out each month um, to decide between the two of them. And mm. if I were you, I would go with the one in which Lois put on the Hellbat costume and beat the hell out of the Eradicator. That was. Wonderful. But uh, the Action Comics is also also very very good and enjoyable to read each time it comes out. So uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the next arc. Uh, did you read the Flash? I did read the Flash. I didn't. Tell me about it. Barry's day off. I was going to say, Barry's dead. <laughs> um, Barry's dead. No, but his new girlfriend might be, for Christ's sakes. Um, so, this, like, it starts with Barry and his new girlfriend, Mina, who is also a speedster, um, on holiday in Bali and having a little bit... Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Of well earned time off, but then they I didn't immediately. Know th- go I, didn't back. Know th- I didn't know that Barry was from Perth. <laughs> yeah, turns out, turns out when they retcon, he's from Perth. 
Um, but this is cool. This brings back in um, the new Wally West, who's Iris's nephew, is he, I believe? Yep. Um, so him dealing with his new powers and the fact that he can do different things with the Speed Force and his power is a bit unpredictable, but he doesn't want to go to the Flash because he's not quite prepared for that. So Mina starts helping him on the side as well as helping all the other new speedsters at Star Labs. Um, yeah, because but... D- DC were like, hey, Marvel, and you think it's confusing that you have like eight superheroes that uh, that have their... like." superheroes that also have the same name as them we have two two superheroes with the same actual like <laughs> actual alias birth name yeah um it is unnecessarily confusing um but the villain that they thought that they had gotten like gotten rid of godspeed at the beginning shows back up obviously they didn't get rid of him so barry does not get his day off um and it looks like all the speedsters have been exploded and mina is disappeared and she must be naked somewhere because it's just her costume that's embarrassing <laughs> Um, yeah, I like this. It's good. Good N- flash N- comics. Naked in like Bali, hopefully. Um, I don't know who... I don't think that this person was on the art previously. Philippe Watanabe? No, I don't think so either. Um, but I like him. Yeah. I really enjoyed the art. Probably more on this issue than I have on the others. Right. Um, so yeah, good fun. Good fun flash comics. I love it. Cool. Great. Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps, number three. What do you think, Siobhan? Can I drop re- reading this yet? Uh, yeah, probably. Oh, Robert- you know what? This is definitely the best Green Lantern comic of them. Yeah, there are two, and one of them is the worst comic of the year, and the other one is this. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, like, we get a cool, like, we don't know where Guy Gardner is, but it's fighting We get one page of Guy Gardner. Yeah, but that could be cool in the future. We get John being sad. That's also good. This is on the same page that I was just talking about. This is also very on brand. (laughs) I feel like I would, you could, like, take all of the, the text out of this comic, and I would enjoy it exactly the same because I don't really know or care especially what's going on. Yeah, Rafa Sandoval's art is is, is incredible and definitely reason enough to read it. And like even though I don't care about this what 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 uh Sinestro is these days, he draws an incredible Sinestro. Great Sinestro. And also draws like a bit of a like cheeky, happy looking Hal Jordan. Like Hal Jordan isn't the you know, former Spectre, world on his shoulders, life is pain kind of guy in this. He's got a bit of a sense of humor and he's a bit more of the devil may care Hal that we know and love. Um, I like but he's probably dead on the last page of this, so that's the end of this book, I guess. I like that the only thing that both the green and yellow lanterns in this book can construct are octopus tentacles. Mm. Yeah, it's always... <laughs> You sort of think, like, remember how we were saying that Trad Moore would be incredible on a Flashbook? I also think he would be unbelievable on a Greenland book. Like, get someone who could draw some more interesting projections, because it always ends up being just a big fist. And I think that's partially because Hal is supposed to be not the most creative of the Greenland core. Yeah. But at the same time, you have, you know, you could do you could do literally anything. Well, that's the thing. Like, honestly, like, we should, like, start a campaign to get all Greenland writers to take drugs. Yes. Right? It's a great idea. Yes, because um, we all know that probably some of the best Green Lantern comics was the stuff that Alan Moore did, and he was definitely taking a lot of drugs there. He is drugs. He is drugs. You can lick him <laughs> and get high. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I just I just wish that there was just something actually trippy and crazy and yeah. taking taking advantage of this insane, you know, multi-staged universe that that Green Lantern is a part of. Yeah, there's so much that they could be doing in terms of like Hal Jordan as an adventurer and an explorer and like even just solving crimes on the different planets in his sector, but instead it just keeps being like a war against the Sinestro. Oh, you know what? Maybe maybe Hal Jordan could take drugs. Maybe, yeah. That'd be sweet. Yeah, what was that one? Maybe Hal Jordan could lick Alan Alan Moore's face (laughs) in an issue. 
That'll keep me on board. We are pitching that to DC. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Wonder Woman number five Woo! by Greg Rucker and Liam Sharp. This is the uh, the odd-numbered Wonder Woman's are telling the current day Wonder Woman story in which she is trying to get back to her home. Mm-hmm. And um, what's his name? Trevor? Steve Trevor. Steve Trevor. <laughs> Trevor Steve. It would be better Trevor if Steve. his name was Trevor. Um, he, uh, he's been captured by a crazy swamp beast. Yeah, with scary hyena men who are his backup. And um, and Wonder Woman has uh, sought the help of Cheetah, mm-hmm. who uh, previously we've only seen them trying to scratch each other's eyes out. But mm. they're uh, they're they're trying to uh, she's trying to basically be friends so and that they can help safe. each other. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's a lot going on in this. Um, it's beautifully told. I, I, um, I've said in the past that I much prefer Nicholas Scott's art over Liam Sharp's, but I think this is by far his best yeah. issue that he's drawn since uh, this this series started. And I mean, saying we prefer Nicholas' art over his is like it's it's. I mean, they're both so so good. Like Absolutely. it's barely a yeah, competition. Yeah. Like I love the way he draws Etta. Like there's so much expression in her face, and he uses shadow in a really clever way. Um, yeah. A yeah. lot going on. And there's like, and you know, we discovered a shadowy secret evil force who might be controlling things from afar on the sort of Etta Candy and Steve Trevor side of things. Definitely. This is, um, one thing I will say is that this is a lot slower than the year one story that Nicholas Scott is doing art on. Yeah. I think, um, probably Greg Rock has had that story in his pocket for like a billion years. And so it's just coming really easily and naturally. Um, whereas this, like, this is probably the least exciting issue of Wonder Woman we've had so far it was definitely slower paced but mm. still still good and I like that they reintroduce who we assume is Sasha Bordeaux who is a big character in um, Greg Rucker's Checkmate series and, and in her ba- and his Batman run as well yeah who um, I love yeah that'll be good and, and what, what's that Steve Trevor is a, a swamp man maybe maybe mm-hmm. he's, a, he's a creepy swamp man by the end or is it, or he's it looks like he's being like a, he's being introduced to a new kind of uh like a swamp video game controller. <laughs> yeah. Or like a Oculus massage Rifty. chair. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the one thing that I like that they bring into this is that Diana and Steve are kind of weirdly linked so that even though Diana isn't on a mission to save Steve, she's ended up in the same place and she will end up saving him. Duh. Um, that's that's kind of cool. That's like that's a nice thing to add to into their relationship. Um, finally for DC for me, I don't think you may, maybe you read a couple of more than I did. Uh, Batgirl number two. Mm-hmm. By Hope Larson, not Brie, nice. uh, and art by Raphael Albuquerque. Um, we can talk about the story in one second, but first, can I just say I love Raphael Albuquerque drawing happy people. Oh, so delightful! It's such a change from his um, American Vampire grizzly book. stuff. Um, this is just this is such a great book to look at. Totally, so pretty. I kind of um, I slightly wish it was like heavier inked, or that the colors were slightly different. Who's doing the colors? Dave McCaig. Um, but no, it is. It is very good. I thought an interesting thing that they brought into Batgirl's kind of bag of tricks is her photographic memory, but she she can sort of go back into her into her mind palace and like look at things that she wasn't focused on at the time, and so she notices that the girl who attacked her in the last issue had a tattoo, and so she goes to research what that means. Yeah, I kind of like that. You know, if she's gonna, if she doesn't, if, if her super her superpower is just being able to access her brain as she would a computer, that's mm. that's cool. I, I, I can stretch my. Yeah, know. that's fine. That's fine. Um, so yeah, uh, Batgirl is uh, in, on on the Singapore leg of her Asia Kentucky tour. And um, she is lying to her 
potential new boyfriend um, mm-hmm. that she's going to go and study during the day, but instead she is uh, participating in the underworld fight MMA, mm. uh, mixed martial arts tournaments, um, and uh, kind of potentially taking on more than she can chew. And it mm. uh, looks like her, the girl that she's pitted to fight against at the end of the book um, has the same marks on her arm as one of the uh, girls that tried to take her down while she was in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. So it uh, kind of says that maybe there's something something big going on in the uh, world of Asia Kentucky to us. One thing that I kind of... Because um, there's an ongoing sort of romantic subplot um, in the book with Barbara and a former friend of hers called Kai who could be involved in something terrible. Um, but just the... the I mean... The the romance moves at a pace that doesn't make sense being a woman of about the same age, if that makes sense. Like, it's just a little bit, there's something a little bit juvenile about it, which I understand because Batgirl is, like, more of an all-ages slash teen character. But I just don't like her, like, they kiss once and then a week passes and she's like, why can't I stop thinking about that kiss? And they're together all the time. It just strikes me as weird and a little bit childish. No, I mean, yeah, but also like... Just she, do it already. But no, she just no. broke up with Nightwing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and, but they and also, really dating. But I mean, no? but all of these, you know, all these characters are like emotionally stunted when yeah. it comes to dating because yeah. they dedicate their entire life to just being punched in the face. That's true. That's so, true. Maybe she got punched too much in the romance section of her brain. <laughs> Where is that? <laughs> Top left? That said, right I, still, I still enjoy No, that, it is still very good. It's a good, good, good book. Good Absolutely. Book. Great, great comics. And thus concludes DC, but you've got a vertigo? I got a vertigo. Um, still reading Gail Simone's extremely weird and compelling and horrifying book, um, The Clean Room. It's so hard to explain at this point because the plot has gotten extremely, um, extremely bizarre. Um just read this. Read this in trade. Gail Simone has so many horrible things floating around in her brain that you have no idea about. And it's amazing. And the art continues to be incredible. Yeah, this and art's amazing. Is it always John Davis Hunt? On, on, it's always yeah. John Davis Hunt. Okay, and cool. he is nailing it. And it continues to be, like, really surprising. Like, every issue is a surprise. Every issue brings something new to it that you weren't expecting. And every issue has a crazy cliffhanger. And I love it. Great. I will have to read it in trade. Yes. I'll endeavor to do so in 10 years' time. Uh, we're going to talk about Marvel Comics now. I've got, I only read a handful of them this week. You probably read a, 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 ha- a handful and a few fingers. Yeah, I think I read a few more. Can I talk about my absolute favorite comic that yes, came out please. this week? I've said that, that this comic has been my favorite many times in mm-hmm. the months that it's come out. Can you take a guess as to what it might be? Is it Squirrel Girl? It is. Unbeatable Squirrel Girl. Hey. This yeah. book is just does something that I've never seen in a comic before mm-hmm. every time it, it comes out. This time, it told the story using computer science. Yeah, it gives you a lesson about computer science within it. it Ryan you, North like, three... is such an adorable nerd. I love him. But basically like, there's, she gets uh, the, like, what's his name? His name is just, just literally Nightmare, right? This is this is like a, yeah. dr- a dream issue in which yeah. she has to combat the the supervillain Nightmare who sends various other Marvel villains to, to take her down. But, uh, she has to kind of basically like she works out that because nightmares powers are limited to like, you know, human fears and psyche, the best way to beat them is to use what she's studying in computer science class. Mm. And so when he sends count Nefaria after her, <laughs> um, who is, you know, basically like, you know, Batman's Dracula, um, <laughs> so like not Batman, that- sorry, Marvel's Batman, um, Dracula. But I like that in this, um, 
he was like, that's not even what Count Nefaria looks like. And she was like, that's just what I imagine him to look yeah. like in my brain. Is that not right? That's um, what he looks like in my dreams. And not only does he, does he not look like Count Nefaria, um, but he... Uh, is like pretty much he. She just interprets him as someone that likes to count, yeah. and so she he challenges her um, to how like to basically to count on her to a counting on your fingers challenge. <laughs> I challenge you, Squirrel Girl, to count to ten on your fingers using only one hand, and then Squirrel Girl says that she can count to thirty three using binary, and basically we get this incredible lesson in which you assign different numbers to each finger yeah. and in doing so you are able to create every number up to 33 using one hand. It's amazing. They legitimately are doing like all ages friendly like educational comics and the like and I I'm totally down. Yeah. Like I hate computers, they're my mortal enemy, but now I know a little bit about binary. But I pour over every speech bubble yeah. and panel of this. And like, like these comics take a while to read because there's so much information packed into every speech bubble, but I just like there's I, I don't have a problem with that. No. I, I no. love I love that like, you know, Squirrel Girl says three sentences that where every other character would say one. Mm. Like it just that's part of her of her, it works of, really of her traits well. and, and it this there's you know, even even just making sure you you get every joke that's written at the bottom of, the, of yeah. each page, and uh, every I actually, sight gag, I, I, it's yeah, so dense. It's such a dense book, and it's so incredible. I, and one of the most beautiful things about it, I think, is that they've made like Squirrel Girl's main superpower is that she like talks things through with people. Yeah, like she almost never ends up in a fight because she like is willing to like sit down with you and go like, okay, what's the problem here? And she this. works things out in like a peaceful, positive way. And it's so much fun. Like when has there ever been a superhero like that? And she, like it still manages to be like action packed and compelling and fun and everything you want from a superhero book. Yeah. Oh I, man. It's just the greatest. It's this so is, good. This is the best book Every time it comes out. And Erica Henderson was not even on art this issue, but Jacob Chabot, Chabot. does an amazing job of aping her style and bringing like even more sort of cartoony fun to it. Apparently, Erica Henderson did one panel in this. Yeah, book. I want to know which one it is because they go, you'll know it when you see it. <laughs> I also, I love that in her dream, um, Craven is the dean of her college. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's just Craven in his like lion um, vest and glasses going like, what? It's <laughs> amazing. Yeah, this was fantastic. Oh, there it is. She does the last little circle oh, right. at the end of, of Squirrel Girl Asleep. Um, yeah, and then the best thing about this is that the, the final two pages of this book is a uh, an advertisement written by Squirrel Squirrel Girl herself, <laughs> um, advertising her um, all new graphic novel coming out later in the year in October called The Unbeatable Squirrel Girl Beats Up the Marvel Universe in which an Erica Henderson-drawn Squirrel Girl stands t- proudly atop every Marvel hero who are col- who's collapsed beneath her. Mm-hmm. Um, written by Ryan North, draw- drawn by Erica Henderson, and has become my most anticipated book of the year. Yeah, so exciting, guys. I love this. I can't, like, it. it is so stupidly dorky, but it's just a joy. Every yeah. Every moment of this is a joy, and, like... I feel so, you know, we've we've definitely we jumped on this book as soon as we started doing the podcast, mm-hmm. but there are, there's a there's a gap of like, you know, 10 issues or so of this that I have yeah, not read I need yet to and go I'm going to go back them. and read them all for sure. Yeah. Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, you owe yourselves a favor of reading this every time it comes out. 
Absolutely. One that I'm I'm still reading and that I think kind of fits in with Squirrel Girl because it's, it's another really awesome female character who's like a genius. She's supposed to be like the smartest person in the Marvel Universe. It's Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. This issue featured Ms. Marvel. So um, and it's really, it's just so cute because Moon Girl loves Ms. Marvel so much and that comes across in this whole issue where Ms. Marvel is kind of slightly telling her off. Um, and she's like... I- screwed it up i love ms marvel so much and is really over intimidated by her um yeah guys read this comic it's so fun it's so fun little inhuman girl can swap bodies with a massive dinosaur and um, i didn't realize i could swap bodies that's 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 her new that's her new inhuman power i picked up the uh the first trade last week so i will read this very soon it's extra i can't wait to catch up so we can talk about it each time it comes out also like man it's it's jack kirby's 99th birthday um today if he if he was still alive and this is such a you know, this is one of his most iconic creations, and it's so cool to see that being continued on in the most positive, brilliant way. Devil Dinosaur, as you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Amy Reader and um, the artist. Uh, writers are Brandon Montclair and Amy Reader, and the artist is Natasha Bustos, and she has done an incredible job. Cool. Love it. Can't wait to catch up on this one. Um, Nighthawk, completely different to both of those <laughs> books. Uh, this is Such a, a different uh, vibe. Uh, you know, a, a dark vigilante comic set in uh, in, in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably the the kind of grittiest comic that Marvel's putting out right now. But mm-hmm. there's still something really fun and modern about it. It doesn't fall back into that. You don't feel like you're reading something that was produced in the '90s. It do- it never feels like it's it's going too dark. It's no, quite grounded in the in events that happened in, in the real world, mm-hmm. and uh, particularly in, in you know um, uh, events of, of racial violence and, mm-hmm. and, and police brutality. And I, I just think that this is like a really important book that I hope gets yeah. the, uh, the the accolades that it deserves when the first trailer comes out. Absolutely, and I mean like. Um uh, what's his name? David F. Walker. Holy moly. What a, like, I, I didn't know any of his work before this year, I don't think. Yeah. And he's just already one of those writers who's going way up the top of, um, yeah, so I've already, of my pile. In my head, I've, I've got, like, because I, I want to do a big awards kind of episode Ooh, at the end of the year, fun. which is great, and have, have listeners vote. And But we, we get to pick the, um, the, the, uh, um, the nominees. Excellent. Um, and, then, and then have listeners vote. Using uh, the internet, I think. Oh, nice. um, but uh, for best writer, I definitely want to put David F. Walker for his work on Nightwa- Nighthawk and, of course, Power Man and Iron Fist. Yeah. Um, I also really love Ramon Villalobos. And he's he, so brilliant. He wasn't on issue three, but he is in issue four. And just his, like, his, his character just shows up all over each panel. Mm, like, it's just. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, from, from Nighthawk wearing Yeezy boosts to um, just like know, little, little Easter eggs yeah, and, and just like glimpses real- of. A grittiness and like texture to everything that makes it feel so real and grounded and those little details really do add to that yeah um <laughs> nighthawk has the, probably the dumbest mode of transportation ever it's like bizarre bicycle like a motorbike that has all these weird <laughs> tentacles coming off it um but uh it blows up at the end of the issue so i probably won't have to see it again yeah <laughs> the only thing i didn't like about it was his damn motorbike was it explained why he kept throwing up or is this going to be something that comes well i think you know the, the situation and and you know his his descent into mm. into carnage and violence is probably getting too much for it to yeah. him i think it was also a good thing to keep referring back to to show that that moment from different angles absolutely which is what they kind of what they used it for um, also, great color palette. Yeah, absolutely. This is a really cool. Co- we didn't even talk about the story, but I mm. feel like we won't be able to do the story justice anyway. If no. you, if that, what, everything we've said so far sounds good to you, that's because it is, and you should be reading it. Yep, absolutely. Nighthawk, really good. Um, let's talk about the two Civil War books, Civil War two books, two Civil War two books that I read this week. 
Uh, it was good to have a Civil War II light week mm. after last week was so intense. Um, Captain Marvel, at the flip of this to remember what happened in this one, <laughs> uh, written by Ruth Fletcher Gage and Christos Gage and art by Chris Anker. Uh, first of all, Chris Anker is the best and I cannot wait to, wait to see him on the Star-Lord book with uh, Zadarsky. Chris Anker's the best. Um, this basically is kind of showing different events that we've seen in Civil War 2 from Captain Marvel's perspective, which I think is what's missing from the actual Civil War 2 series. Yeah, totally. Um, because you've kind of just decided that she's the bad guy in this. Mm. Um, but uh, basically you have um, kind of... Uh, what's his name? Black Panther kind of hovering over Captain Marvel's, sh- Marvel's shoulder at all points in this, just you know, really trying to work out if Ulysses' power can be trusted and... Mm questioning all of everything that Carol's doing, not because he doesn't believe her, just because he wants her to be sure that what she's doing is right. Mm. Um, of course, there's some other stuff going on in Captain Marvel's world as well, but, um, you know, there's a pretty nice scene between her and Hawkeye. Um, and yeah, it's weird that, like, Civil War Two can be such a bore, but this could be so, the so interesting. The can be so compelling yeah, yeah, sometimes. Definitely. Um, in this, they... Uh, they go to stop um, an explosion from from happening, and in doing that, uh, and to do that, they, they they arrest someone who is actually completely innocent. Um, and uh, Captain Captain Marvel, Carol Danvers, kind of deals with that. But luckily, Black Panther makes everything okay by the end of the issue. Nice. I love Black Panther. This is this, this is I love this version of Black Panther. Not the version in his own comic. No. <laughs> What's the difference? What's the, the, the characterization di- in this as opposed to? I don't. I just think he's he's a bit. He's he's. Like just perfect at everything he does. Mm. I like Black Panther just being this guy that never does wrong, mm, and true. whereas all he does in his own comic is wrong, he fucks up something, and all like you know he's the cause of all of his problems in his yeah. own book. And I just I don't associate that with how the character is. Maybe and maybe my idea of what the character is is boring. Like who wants to read someone mm. that never fucks up? But like not to the extent that he's fucking up in his own comic right now. Yeah, I hope I'm hoping this is just like the the opening arc, and then soon we get to him just doing a glory glory lap. Yeah, I love Black Panther as a character. I don't want to see him dragged through the, the mud of his own country. I still like you, T'Challa. Do you? Uh, did you read Steve Rogers' Captain America number four? I did. I love that the cover has nothing to do with what happens inside. Does Same. this even have anything to do with Civil War? It has a Civil War banner on it. Barely. There's, a, there's barely a, a reference. A, 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 there are references to the rest of the Marvel Universe not even having any idea what's going wrong and fighting amongst themselves. And mm-hmm. that's kind of all we get mm. a tie-in for Civil War 2. But uh, this is still brainwashed Steve Rogers who we've not really seen impact any of the characters outside of his own comic in the Marvel U at the moment yet yeah not so far you remember when um, uh, Dr. Octopus was inside Spider-Man and he was kind of like a dick in like the Avengers books and uh, yeah but that that kind of hasn't really been seen outside of his own book yet Uh, yeah uh, this this sort of shows like that even though even though he's Hydra brainwashed and so on and so forth he still has his own sort of morality and that's now coming through and it's interesting to see where that will go yeah uh r.i.p the red ghost i'm so confused by this new quasar i keep forgetting who this new lady quasar is and what she has to do with anything there was like a really what felt to me random seeming quasar scene in there but i'm assuming she's going to be important in some capacity i reckon that she's going to be the one that 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 fixes steve rogers oh yeah probably yeah. huh? because uh the new quasar was given her powers in uh assault on pleasant hill whatever it was called right right, right um, of course and I, I feel like nick spencer kind of laid the seeds for all of his big ideas that are happening mm. right now in uh his captain america books in that miniseries mm. um and it's cool that, that i actually kind of smiled when i realized that 
um, Pleasant Hill also ties into Civil War too, in that that's totally. the, the reason Thanos returns to Earth is to try and get the cosmic cube back, and that's mm-hmm. what they've turned into cubic. Mm. So I, I, I liked, even though I, you know, I think Civil War two sucks. I, I uh, enjoyed that that you know the attention to detail in that regard. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I think this is this Captain America run is cool still. Yeah. Still um, cool. I like um. I like how much Taskmaster is in it. Me too. Taskmaster is such a good character, but uh. So yeah, even though he's been brainwashed um to become a Hydra agent, mm-hmm. um Captain America still wants to kill Red Skull. Yep. So you can't you can't you yeah. can take the wanting to kill Red Skull out of the boy. Wait, no, no, I gotta go on. Oh, you can take the Captain out of the America, but you can't take the America out of the Captain. Nice. Thank Nailed you very it. much, everybody. Serious good issues. Night. At kingscomics.com. <laughs> Please uh, um, look at my Amazon wish list and send me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also read, for some, like, I, okay, I also read the New Avengers issue 15, um, which ties into Civil War 2. This has got to be up there with the most confusing superhero books of all time. That's what I said but last it's still issue. Really, I did not read this one. <laughs> it's still, like, still kind of interesting, but you just have to know a lot. And I feel like it's it kind of reminds me of X-Factor in that sense. Like, X-Factor went for so long. It had so many hardcore fans and it. You're like, everyone knew everything about each of those things. So if you love all of these characters and have been following this series incredibly closely, this is the book for you. Yeah, but yeah. very confusing for everyone else. <laughs> Who loves Sunspot? We've asked there's that on the episode be, There's got to be someone out there who loves Sunspot. Also, like, they barely use Squirrel Girl in this at all. I know. And this issue is especially confusing because it flashes because like there's this whole thing like Songbird is like a triple agent yeah. all this kind of stuff and it flashes back to like as seen in issue three and it's like what was really happening? Like what was the subtext of that scene and flashback to issue 15 and that's what was really happening. Who's this one written by, Siobhan? It's written by DJ Christ himself. Thank you very much. <laughs> 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 I think we have to only refer to him as DJ Christ from this point so. forward. I reckon. Um... So yeah, I, I still kind of enjoy this though in a bizarre way. Me but too. It's, yeah, it's I'm, I'm still going to read it. I just didn't. I was like, uh, uh, I had a, a crying two week mm. old in my arms, and I was like, uh, this, this is not this, the priority. Yes, <laughs> the confusing, a confusing Avengers comic is not going to solve my problems right now. Oh, yeah, fair enough. I didn't even read Hellcat this oh, you week. I didn't even really read Hellcat. This was another Civil War two um, tie-in. It's it's also just kind of like Hetty, the ongoing villain of the piece, sets up Patsy's ex-boyfriends to come and fight her or something, which is fine. Like Scott Pilgrim, kind of? Yeah. I mean, Kate Leth doesn't deserve Brittany Williams. Oh, that's rude of me, but I believe it. You really, Brittany you, Williams, you gotta, you Brittany gotta, you Williams gotta, you gotta is good. Kate Leth. I don't have an in for her. I just think she she's better than what she's doing, or she could be better than what she's doing. She's just a young writer, you know what I mean? Um, and Brittany Williams is like top of her game and so so good um i just find it a little bit shallow maybe but still good fun and people love the book maybe just not for me okay but i love Brittany williams so much and the next arc or the next issue looks like um patsy is in some kind of dream slash hell state and she is going to be accompanied by she hulk which could be cool is uh, Jubilee in this issue? Jubilee is in this issue okay, and cool. probably the funnest bit. I love. Um, this is the first time that I've really liked Vampire Jubilee, so that's <laughs> cool. Um, finally, from Marvel is uh, Star Wars number twenty-two, and uh, I was a bit confused because I swear the last issue was that really awesome one about the brutal stormtroopers, and now suddenly we're in a space battle, and I feel like maybe I missed an issue. I don't know. Yeah, I'm confused too, to be honest. Um, but uh, this is a real fun space battle issue, which yeah. is something that we haven't seen in any of the Star Wars books since Marvel got them all. Uh, and I feel like this could also be the first issue that I've seen George Molina do the interiors. I on think for he this. did the the 
I think he did the Storm, the Stormtroopers. Well, issue he's as well. very good, and he does a good. He do, he gets a good balance of getting the likeness quite good, but still 100%. having it be his own thing and having it be quite. Cartoony. It, it, it doesn't. It, yeah, exactly. I think that's the key. Like you don't want it to look like a photo reference thing Absolutely. at all. Like you know, you just have the attributes down pat, and, and then just do your thing. Yeah, and he um he he really nails that. Plus, um, he's great at drawing spaceships and Princess Leia running and Princess Leia's hair. <laughs> he draws a pretty Princess Leia. Um, I, like, yeah, if you want to read an incredible spa- star- space battle set in the Star Wars universe featuring all your favorite characters doing space battley stuff, mm-hmm. blowing up stuff, and then taking it over for their own spacecraft. Good it, fun. Yeah, really fun. And look how good the cover for the next issue is. It's like Han and Leia running happily through the hallway of a Star Destroyer, like they're running through a meadow. It's beautiful. It doesn't really so much look like uh, Harrison Ford, though, as it does like Walt Jr. from Breaking Bad. That's a good point. <laughs> wow, that really does look like Paul Jr. from Breaking Bad. It looks like a slightly older Carrie Fisher as well. Anyway, yeah. Good. I think people that uh, complain about Jason Aaron doing too many crazy things with the Star Wars book will love this issue of yeah, Star Wars totally. just came out. It just feels like pure, pure uh, Star Wars space fight action. Absolutely. Cool. So that is Marvel and DC done. Nice. Leaving us with some image stuff to go through. Yep. Absolutely. Should we talk about the one image comic that we both read first? Yeah. Snot Girl, number two. Written by Brian Lee O'Malley and art by Leslie Hung. Uh, this uh, is a book about a fashion blogger who mm. uh, we learn is actually way more successful than I thought she was in the issue one. Mm. She has staff that, that work for she her. She has an intern. Oh, right. Unpaid intern. <laughs> <laughs> if you would like to be a Serious Issues intern, hit us up, seriousissues at kingscomics.com. Um, you can read all the comics for us. Yeah, perfect. For, no, for Mark's sake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, basically, um, this uh, this follows on from the first issue, as second issues tend to do. <laughs> and um, we have what's this, what's Snot Girl's actual name? Lottie. Lottie, um, worried that she's going to be uh, wanted by the police after um, she accidentally helped murder mm-hmm. uh, the cool girl. Cool girl in the first issue, um, and uh, she's kind of like avoiding everyone. And then a week passes, and she hasn't heard from anybody, so she just goes about her pretty pathetic life. Um, mm. and starting to care about all the really, really pointless things that she shouldn't be caring about mm-hmm. when she thinks she may have accidentally killed somebody, um, like uh, ex-boyfriends and ex-best friends. And her ex, her former intern, who we discover might be trying, might be stalking her and trying to kill her and is also dating her ex-boyfriend. So that's a fun development. Um, and so is the fact that it turns out police are after her and not just any old police, extremely fashionable a police. fashion police. Um, so yeah, she is literally being chased by the fashion police in the next issue. So that's fun. And there's an incredible, um, plot twist where cool girl who we think died in the last issue, um, texts her and sends her a picture that she can't remember taking. So I'm, I, I mean, this is so even better than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be a more straight up and down, like, just about fashion bloggers and have it be more about fashion and mm-hmm. um, mimic sort of manga and stuff like that. But it's becoming also this like insane psychological thriller at the same time, which yeah. I'm really into. And the most uh, convincing, uh, like you would swear that Brian Lee O'Malley was a, was a, a lady. If this is the, your he first, gets he, it right, right? Yeah, like yeah, all yeah. the female I, characters. I, the voices I realize, are so I realize, I, I should wait for you to say that instead of just claiming it. <laughs> You're like right. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but like he, I mean. 
it's a lot of, and it really, really does feel like this is definitely the most, someone said, did you say this to me? That it's the most one that uh, feels like manga. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think it's because you get introduced to like her cast of characters a little bit more like Norm Girl and Cute Girl, all these characters. And even the dialogue is quite sort of manga influenced, I feel, and the cutscenes yeah. and all of the um, descriptions and things like that. And the little extra notes feels very, feels very manga-y and um, yeah, I love it. Really, really I love, love it. I love so much about this. Definitely, and uh, you should make sure you make, make sure you pick up the uh, the Scott, um, sorry, Brian Lee O'Malley um, variant Very of the pretty. cover. Very pretty, and man, Leslie Hung for someone who hasn't done like an ongoing sequential comic before, as far as my knowledge, like to the best of my knowledge, is oh man, so good. Such a good so storyteller, nailing it. Like yeah. the art is so beautiful, and the colors by Mickey Quinn are so beautiful. Um, and it's such a different comic. Like, this isn't like anything else on the shelves. And it's a new two ninety nine an issue. That's yeah. wild. It's genius. It's it's very, very good. I really highly recommend people check that out. Um, now, I know I've, we've uh, you've got a couple of image books that I did not get around to reading. But yes. I want to uh, excuse... I mean, this whole time, I'm like, I only read 30 comics this week. Siobhan, do you know what I actually did this week? What did you actually do? I read 57 issues of Chew. You're a maniac. So (laughs) that's why I kind of, I I prioritize finishing Chew so I can get up to speed. Uh, Chew only has until issue 60. Um, So I thought it would be fun to read those final issues. Mm -hmm. So I caught up. um, I'd I'd only read up to issue 30 in the past, um, but I didn't want to just go from there because I haven't read it in like years. So Mm. I read the first 30 issues and then I read almost the second 30 issues. Um, And Chu is an incredible story that I think deserves much more accolades for being like the first comic to really incorporate the food world. Mm. Uh, It does so in a strictly comedic manner, Mm. but uh, I enjoy this a lot more than I remember. Anthony Bourdain wrote a comic for Vertigo a couple of years ago. There's some amazing food manga. There's a much, there's a huge, like there's a huge section of um, manga that's devoted to food. Um, but Chu is about um, a character called Tony Chu, who is a, um, uh, basically an FBI, a federal agent with the FDA, um, but it's all about food crimes um, because chicken has been outlawed after a massive bird flu outbreak kills 32 million Americans. Um, and there's a massive conspiracy where they think the government maybe, or people knew about the bird flu outbreak before it happened. And uh, Tony Chu is a chibopath, which means, or a sebopath, I don't know how you pronounce it. It's a made-up word. Uh, but uh, he can, as he, whenever he eats something, he can see that something's history. What, mm. what, 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 like all the ingredients of a soup, for example, he'll see, you know, where the, where the trees were from, what what happened to the animals, um, you know, how they died mm. to get in there. Which means also, if he eats the 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 finger of say a body that he finds in in uh, in his crime fighting, uh, he'll be able to determine who killed that. Uh, that person and what they did to deserve it, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it um, always slightly put me off. It seemed a little bit too icky, so I've never but actually it's read you. so comedic. It's mm-hmm. so funny. And he's just one of hundreds of characters with weird food-related superpowers. Amazing. Um, and this is quite an epic um, and uh, just a really fantastic story to, to binge. Mm. Um, so I would highly recommend just going through and reading all 60 issues when they're collected at the end of the year. Um, you could start now by all the trades. Um, they're kind of all broken up into five issue stories. Uh, at the moment, um, we are kind of like all the pieces of the puzzle. Basically, the, the big threat got taken out um, at the end of uh, the the kind of the arc that finishes with issue fifty, and uh, now we are kind of wrapping things up with a lot, final ten issues. There's only three left after this one, mm-hmm. um, and uh, we're kind of learning a lot more about the big conspiracy, the bird flu breakout conspiracy, and I think we're going to learn about 
where uh, Tony Chu's powers come from. There are just so many insane storytelling devices that, that are used through these bizarre food powers because not only is he able to kind of uh, learn more about the food he's eating when he eats it, but he's also, if he eats another Chiba path, mm. he gets their powers too. Oh, fun. So, um, yeah, it's uh, insanely fun and actually just completely insane too. Every, like... like they're they're really going through that you know a lot a lot of a lot of characters are going to die um before this ends but not in a like you know super tragic way and they almost do it in a kind of fun and funny way awesome. uh, yeah Chu was a, a really great series and uh, alongside uh invincible when that ends next year i mean i i lament the end of invincible but really we've got what another 13 issues before that and that's more than most mm. image and marvel series get these days anyway yeah, totally. but uh chew will be missed when it finishes but that's it i'm looking forward to the end so mm. chew nice um i also read i read um issue four of renato jones the one percent by kari kyle andrews or however you say his name <laughs> this continues to just be a super fun anti one percent revenge comic you get more of um renato's history especially with his relationship with bliss who's yep. his sort of love interest slash might turn out to be the villain of the piece um and you get a little bit of their childhood together which is really compelling but also really heartbreaking um i'm still really enjoying this i also read she wolf by rich tomaso which continues to be like the trippiest Man, his artwork's Comic. crazy. His artwork it? is so good, and this is fifty percent dream sequences, which are just insane. Um, I which which barely... had the better dream sequences, this or Squirrel Girl? I mean, it depends if you want your dream sequences to make sense or not. <laughs> um, this is like. Did this book teach you anything about computer science? No, it didn't. Okay, Squirrel Girl still wins. I was maybe, maybe slightly stupider after this comic because <laughs> I barely, I barely know what's going on in it, but I love it so much, and it's going to be one that I'll definitely pick up and trade and reread, not just for the great art, but for whatever the hell is going on here. It is so cool. There's now vampires also. Great. So it's wolves and vampires. Um, but the- I did also check out Island, which I always check out. Best thing about this um, issue probably is the Michael DeForge cover. The um, in insides not 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 for me. Really, um, not stories that I find massively compelling I pick, so far. I picked this one up hoping that because I realized that they were both um, part ones. Oh, are they? I, I think he's normally slightly n- confused by that. No, um, normally, yeah, jumping into f- normally jumping into an island issue means you've got like you know part three of a, of a story that we that you've missed the first two parts of. But I think these are both new starting points. Yeah, I mean this was um this was a pop gun war issue. This was like part three, I think. All oh, right, okay, of I'm wrong. The ongoing story and um it had more of the uh, Farrell Dalrymple and the Zooniverse, the right. Aussie Aussie comic. In oh, it. okay, sure, yeah. Um, yeah, not my favorite issue of Island, but still like still probably the best anthology comic out there for sure. Great. Um, that's all the image comics. Should we talk about Archie number yeah, eleven. Let's talk about Archie. So this is uh, we've you know we've had uh, Fiona Staples, we've had Veronica Fish on art, and now we have um, uh, Ryan Jampol and Thomas Patilli, which is uh, leads to a, probably the scratchiest we've seen yeah. on this new Archie, Archie iteration, but uh, it's still still fine. Yeah, it's still right? good. It's just it's not as good as the others. I, kind of, I, I don't understand why Archie don't splurge and get the best the art world has to I offer. I know, because they don't have the money. Okay. I think that's why. Um, one thing that I, I noticed more in this book than I probably have in the previous issues, um, I like that Mark Wade sort of takes the traditional, like, separating the story up into little oh, yeah, kind totally. of one-page gags. Well, he and, like, abs- absolutely. Gives it he, each a little, um, a little title. title. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, he Archie turns the titles. Scrum. 
Yeah. So this is about um, a, a band contest, mm. which features very heavily in universes like Archie's. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you have one band with uh, Archie and Veronica and Jughead in it. Mm-hmm. And then the other band, band with um, Betty and Saeed. And um, who else is in Betty's band? Uh, Dilton. Dilton. And probably Kevin. And a girl whose name I've forgotten. Who's the girl with the pink hair? I don't know, but she likes Saeed. <laughs> and that could be Oh, and, and Moose. Moose is in here. Oh, yeah, Moose. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. I said Kevin. It was actually Moose. Um, so, uh, yeah, he almost makes the, 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 the titles like a, an ongoing gag. And you'll, yeah. you'll have titles. I think one, one page has like two different titles kind of telling different parts of a story. But all these different songs and funny gags uh, in which uh, you kind of see the two bands competing against each other in the lead up. And um, when it finally is the night of the, of the band competition was it like the talent show, the bands are so furiously fantastic. Uh, what is it? Betty and the waves is Betty's band. What's Archie's band called? The Ronnie's. The Ronnie's. <laughs> he was they like, I wanted go with- to call it the Archie's, but Veronica liked the Ronnie's better. Well, and they can't call it the Veronica's because that's actually a band. Yeah. Did you know that they actually got sued by Archie? For using the name The Veronicas because they said that it was like from Archie Whoa. Comics. And then they did like this weird deal where there was like a couple of issues of Archie that The Veronicas were actually in. It was terrible. That's so funny. Anyway. Forever's a great song though. I don't know that, but okay. I'll play it. I'll, I'll make it the theme song from now on. <laughs> we'll get sued <laughs> by The Veronicas. It'll be f- full circle. It'll be fantastic. Um, but yeah, it, uh, it turns out the crowd don't want to hear anyone else in the talent quest. They just want to um, hear more from either um, Betty's band or Veronica's band. Um, but it basically leads to um, Archie and Veronica having Archie their first... Sorry, Archie and Betty. Having their first discussion. Um, Post-lipstick incident. Hashtag lipstick incident. Yep. And uh, it's really, really beautiful and heartfelt. And yeah. uh, in the end, they kind of hug and um, they say they don't even care who wins the talent quest. And so we don't find out. Yeah. It's nice. But they make friends. But... Could lead to some difficulties with Veronica and Saeed. Maybe I mean, are you an Archie and Veronica fan or an Archie and Betty fan? Who's your who do you ship? Well, I mean, w- the thing is that we all know that Archie and Betty should be together, and that sure. they will be together in the end. That's that's what that's the assumption that we're all working under. These, these are things that we're told when we're born. Yes, <laughs> um, but obviously, it works. The whole the whole thing works better when Archie's chasing Veronica. It's sort of it's sort of weird because the fact that it's now kind of more of an ongoing story as opposed to the strip gag format. It always used to be Betty chasing Archie, Archie chasing Veronica. And now it's sort of Archie and Veronica in a relationship and Betty in a different relationship. And yep. it's all sort of... It fundamentally changes the dynamic. Um, but so I think it's probably better that Archie and Veronica are dating or whatever. For sure. Um, anything else we want to talk about this week? Weird Detective was pretty good. Yep. Um, a little bit confusing, but still pretty good. Yep. Um, ROM issue two was certainly ROM issue two. I did not read um, that. The Road to Revolution continues with Action Man, which I also read this week, um, which is a, a probably my favorite of these weird IDW to- toy titles. Mm-hmm. Certainly the only one that I want to read. Um, shouts to ROM. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm actually kind of invested in this weird, massive revolution crossover event that know, IDW right? are doing. I'm a little bit weirdly invested in it now because I quite enjoyed ROM number one, despite the fact that I did not read ROM number two. Um, don't worry about that. To yeah. be honest. Um, so Revolution Take a Stand is the big thing starting next month, a five-issue event incorporating Action Man, Transformers, G.I. Joe, everybody, ROM, um, Micronauts. So I don't know. I'm kind of looking forward to it. I don't know why. It's not, maybe I fell on my head this week or something. But uh, there's a Trad Moore cover to issue number Ooh. one, which looks real real great. God, Trad Moore's the best. 
podcast. Trad Moore, do something regular, please, so we can rave about it. Um, oh, I know I said after reading um, issue one of Adventure Time Comics out through Kaboom, um, which is the anthology Adventure Time series, uh, that... You know, even though there were some great creators on it, it w- wasn't really them doing anything, you know, that worthwhile. Totally take it back. Issue two, I picked up because Greg Smallwood, who we've been really enjoying on Moon Knight, did not only the cover, but also the story within it. And uh, so I picked it up and read it. And actually, every story in this was really, really sweet and fun. Mm. You have an incredible one by Box, written and I drawn by Box, Box Brown. Brown. Just look at the colors in this. It's so great. And he actually gets the dialogue between Jake and, um, and mm. Finn. Uh, and then we have like, yeah, Greg Smallwood's story is amazing in which you get um, Finn writing, writing the, his adventures, but without Jake in it. <laughs> um, and uh, it's just some, and then there's a great story actually, um, probably my favorite one in here um, where Finn, Jake and princess, whoever it is, get taken to an Island and Finn's forced to relax for the first time written by um, Sophia Foster Domino. And that was awesome too. Um, everything in this was great. And uh, I'm, I'm on board. I actually think this is a really great anthology series um, just for the wealth of incredible creators that are working on it. Yeah, nice. Um, and finally, um, Boom also put out Sombra issue two. We raved about the first issue that came out just over a month ago. I completely forget what happened in it. And they don't really give offer anything in the, in the way of a recap page in this comic. Um, like many are image comics, but I just I don't think I'd be doing it justice reading this month to month. So yeah, I, think I think I'm going to wait. Trade wait for trade. As well. Yep. I read a trade this week. Um, I read Kim W. Anderson's Alina, mm-hmm. which is a straight up teen horror comic. Ooh-wee. Um You sure Keith Giffen didn't write it? <laughs> no, because this actually has some decent teen dialogue in it. <laughs> um, it's all about a girl, Alina, whose best friend and possibly lesbian lover killed herself um, and now is haunting her in um, at her new much more elitist, horrible private school where she is being bullied for having killed her lesbian lover. Um, I mean, this is, this is like not the sort of thing that I would normally read. I'm not a big horror fan and I'm not super into the like horror as a metaphor for like puberty kind of thing, which I think this is trading fairly heavily on. But if you like that sort of thing, I do definitely recommend checking it out. If you are a sexy anti-establishment teen, maybe (laughs) this trade is for you. Maybe this is for you. Um, It has quite a lot of um, sexual violence in it, which um, some people I saw online were very uncomfortable with and didn't want. Um, If that's a thing that really upsets you, probably don't check this one out. Um, But if you like horror, check it out. It's cool. And it, it, it keeps you guessing right until the end. I was... Spooked. Yeah. yeah. Spooked? I, was, I was spooked. I was a little bit spooked. I'm easily spooked, though. That's all the reviews for this week. Um, <sighs> we can give you a little guide to the books that we recommend you pick up this week. Just a couple of uh, hot selections that we anticipate will be great. Yeah, it's not a huge week next week, but um, we've got the next issue of Afterlife with Archie, which has the first appearance of Josie and the Pussycats the in The undead world. Josie and her undead Pussycats. Cool. Um, we have the final issue of Chip Zdarsky's Howard the Duck. Also the final issue of the brilliant um, Legend of Wonder Woman series by Renee DeLiz, I believe her name is. Yep. What is that? You wrote it down here. Just I wrote Dupleg. Dupleg. All right. I thought it said like, Supleg. <laughs> What's Supleg? Jupiter's Legacy uh, by Mark Millar and Frank Quietly. Issue three of that comes out, mm-hmm. which is very exciting. And uh, Saga returns, yeah. issue 37, the next arc, which is called The War, War for Fang. Fang. Um, so, I mean, I feel like everyone listening already reads Saga. I feel like yeah. everyone already reads Saga. But uh, If you don't read Saga, what are you doing? If you don't read Saga, certainly don't just go out and pick up issue 37 without the intention to first read issues 1 through 36 first. And those, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's, a, that's a big good warning. We had someone um, email through asking, 
um, who the little character at the top of our King's um, newsletter, the weekly bugle that we send out was, and I convinced her to read Saga just on the strength of the little picture of Gus alone. She was like, who's that? He's so cute. And I was like, you have to read Saga just so you can get up to the bits with Gus in it. That's amazing. You can look forward to us reviewing those books next week when we put out the latest issue next Monday. Um, and you can find us online, facebook.com slash Serious Issues Podcast. Send us an email or get in touch with us there. Our email mm-hmm. address is uh, Serious Issues at kingscomics.com. Mm-hmm. And you can find uh, Siobhan online on Twitter and Instagram, mm-hmm. SiobhanCBG. And I'm at LevDog, L-E-V-D-A-W-G. While you are on iTunes right now listening to us, why don't you check out one of my other podcasts? I've got one about pop culture and comedy called Hey Fam, and another one about food in Sydney called The Mitchin. And uh, while you are there, why not go over the Serious Issues page and leave us a nice review? Uh, so we can hopefully spread the word mm-hmm. and uh, do more cool things for you to listen to in the future. Absolutely. Um, we will see you next week. Stay serious. Yep, absolutely. serious. <laughs> <laughs> 